0: So I will say it as well. He is risen. He's risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen. Indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Okay, if you are under the age of 20. He is risen. risen oh, you guys could do better than that. He is risen. He One more time. He is risen. He risen Very good. If you are over the age of 80. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah? Okay, sure. Uh, Great. He is risen. Indeed, he is risen. Um, So, um, welcome to New Hope Community Church. My name is Joe. I am the lead pastor here at New Hope. And we're just so welcome. Uh, We're so glad that everybody is here. Uh, At this time, I'll please ask the congregation to please stand for the reading of the Word of God. When Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, And Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on, the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to each other, who's going to roll away the stone for us at the entrance of the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back, and they entered the tomb, and they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has been raised. He's not here. Look, look, there's the place right there where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, And they said nothing to anybody, for, for, to anyone, for they were afraid. Brothers and sisters in the Lord... All flesh is grass, and the beauty of that grass is like the flower of a field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but this, the word of our God, endures. Amen? Amen. Amen. Have a seat. I mean, let's not beat around the bush here. This is the big one. Let me be clear. If Jesus really wasn't raised from the dead that Easter morning some 2,000 years ago, there really isn't any good reason for us to be here. We'd all be better off being at home with our families or maybe being downtown preparing for the rubber match of the Orioles opening series against the Minnesota Twins. If the resurrection didn't actually happen like for reals, then there is no need for any of this. I mean, Jesus taught some really cool stuff. I'm all for loving our neighbors and the golden rule and all that is just really great stuff. But, but Christianity, Christianity hinges on the resurrection. Without it, we're, we're just believing fairy tales. I'm not the only one who says this, by the way. The, the Apostle Paul, sharp guy who wrote like half of the New Testament said that if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain and your faith has been in vain. This proclamation that he was referring to was, was the gospel, the euangelion, the good news. The gospel is the royal announcement that Jesus is Lord, King, and Savior. It's supposedly through the gospel that God offers salvation from sins. But actually... It's even better than that. Another thing Paul said was that for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's through the resurrection that Jesus came through death and out the other side. If there's no resurrection, then he's still dead. And dead people don't make very good kings. So you may be here this morning trying to figure out all this stuff out. Um, Well, maybe that has nothing to do with it. You might be here this morning because someone told you that it's Easter, and on Easter you go to church. And if that's the case, no worries. This will all be over in a little while. My guess is, though, that there are many of us who are still trying to figure this puzzle of life out together. You probably came here this morning with pain and with sorrow and with anxieties and with fears, with questions with doubts with struggles maybe even anger and if that's you that's still okay in fact i think you're in good company because the truth of the matter is that i i came here today with all of those things true about me as well but the reason i'm here is because i believe that the resurrection is the key we had hoped was the hope of the world turns out to just be a man like everybody else. But if the stories are true, and the tomb is really empty, then that changes everything. If the resurrection is reality, then there's no corner of our lives, no corner of creation that it does not wish to penetrate. Resurrection means that death itself has been defeated. For in Jesus' new life, we have new life. If you spend time reading the New Testament, one of the most common prepositional phrases that you hear is, in Christ. For the Christian, our entire lives are in Christ, because apart from Christ, we are destined for death. Now, I know that some of you right now are thinking back to Good Friday, because Jason made a comment about how Good Friday is the most important day, or could be the most important day for evangelicals. Perhaps the most important. It's the day that Jesus died for our sins. I mean, think about how often Christians talk about the cross. And now we're saying that it all hangs on the resurrection? Am I contradicting our teaching? No, I don't think so. I mean, even Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still dead in your sin. Here's my point. Let's not get into a foolish debate about what the most important moment was of the Christ event. What's important is the Christ event. The life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ, God in flesh, Israel's Messiah, our one true king. The gospel announces that this Jesus sits on the throne. The question for all of us sitting in this room is, am I ready to treat him as such? Are we ready to follow His lead through death and into new life? Are we ready to die to ourselves and live a life to His glory, not ours? Remember this, friends. The life offered in Jesus is the only life worth living. For apart from Him, there's only death. That's the message that the church has been entrusted with. Check out your bulletin. Here's one piece of tech that should work for today. There's a quote that I've included from a tremendous writer named Richard Hayes. You guys should all read everything he's ever written. He says this about the church. Follow along. He says, The God of Israel, the creator of the world, has acted astoundingly to rescue a lost and broken world through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now the full scope of that is not yet apparent, but God has created a community of witnesses to this good news, the church. While awaiting the grand conclusion of the story, the church, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is called to reenact the loving obedience of Jesus Christ and thus to serve as a sign of God's redemptive purposes for the world. If you're here today and you're a Christian, I want you to take that bulletin home with you. I want you to cut out that quote. I want you to put it on your refrigerator to remind you every day of what it means to be a part of Christ's church. And it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. This is what it means to be a part of New Hope Community Church. We're to be a community of witnesses to the life offered in Jesus. Our call is to reenact the loving obedience of Christ to every human being we come in contact with whether directly or indirectly as Jason said the other night the scandal of the gospel is that Jesus loves everybody and he's calling everybody to be a part of this new life you see that's why the resurrection is so darned important apart from Jesus there is only death but in Jesus there's life Here's how I've always understood. You see, God is holy. You might want to change, uh, you might want to say that God is pure and and perfect, and maybe I wouldn't argue with that. God's the same God that he was yesterday and the same God he's going to be tomorrow. You can count on God not changing. The thing is, just because God, God doesn't change doesn't mean that he's not on the move. And if I know anything about God, it's that I know that God is on the move. There's a book of the Bible that's called Lamentations, which is just Jewish poems lamenting the siege of Jerusalem after it was attacked by the Babylonians. And in the middle of the book of Lamentations, the author writes, in the middle of grief, the author writes, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. See, this writer is saying that God is steadfast. You can count on him. You can count on his mercy and you can count on his love. And each day when you're facing new trials and new struggles and new questions and new doubts, even in the face of the destruction of everything that you hold dear, he's going to meet you. He's going to meet you there because His steadfast love never ceases and His mercies never come to an end. God is holy. God is on the move. And He wants us to live in relationship with Him. He wants us to be His family. The problem is sin. Sin is rebellion. It's rebellion against God's rule. Sin is any time that we say to God, I've got a better way. Sin puts distance. It puts distance between us and our holy God, and it leads nowhere but death. And at this point, again, you might be thinking, well, doesn't that just mean that God's standards are too high? I mean, no one's perfect, right? Exactly. No one is perfect, or better said, no one is holy except for God. And he doesn't want it that way because, remember, he desires to be in relationship with us. The problem is that God's holiness doesn't mix with our unholiness. So instead of throwing us in the cosmic garbage can and starting all over, he actually desires holiness for us. But for that to happen... Sin needed to be dealt with. For God just to wave sin away and say, Ah, it doesn't really matter. Well, that would mean that God isn't being very holy if he did that. The thing about God is he can't not be holy. We wouldn't want him to be anything but holy. So for us to have a relationship with God, sin needed to be dealt with. And in the Old Testament, Israel would worship God through animal sacrifice. You would bring a choice animal, one that was worth something to you, and you would offer that sacrifice to God, and God would forgive sins. The book of Hebrews tells us that the system, that system was only a shadow of what was to come. Because God wanted to declare victory over sin and death and evil once for all. And he did this by becoming man and offering himself up as a sacrifice for all mankind. See, the death that he died on the cross paid the price so that you and I could walk in relationship with our holy God. The veil was torn. In Christ Jesus, there is no more separation between us and God. And in his resurrection, we are offered new life, new creation, reconciliation, redemption. We're welcomed into a whole new creation and we're called to live like it. The death of Jesus on the cross and the new life of his resurrection are offered to us by grace. And what that means is that there is nothing that you could have done to ever earn the radical love that God has for you. What he did, he did because of his character, not yours. He loves you because you are precious in his sight. There is nothing that you could ever do to make God love you any more than he does right now. Jesus looks at us for who we are, exactly as we are. He sees the sins that we haven't even realized that we've committed. And then scripture tells us that while, he, while we were yet sinners, he dies for us. The thing is that even though Jesus loves us exactly how we are, that does not mean that he intends to leave us as we are. Because remember, He desires holiness for us. The victory, the victory over sin and death has been won. Sin and death has been defeated. Now, all that is left is for us to choose to follow Him and seek first His kingdom. Or to continue following our own way. Our call is to live like we are one of God's own. No one else No one else can make this choice for you. I came to faith when I was a middle school student. Someone got up on an Easter morning and made a similar speech as I'm giving right now. He probably had a microphone. (laughs) I was told that God loved me so much that he gave his only begotten son and that if I would believe in him, I'd have eternal life. What's even better is that I was told that eternal life... Eternal life is not like then, like someday in the future. Eternal life is now. Now is eternal life. Following Jesus doesn't just get me into heaven when I die. It is so much better than that. I get to reenact the gospel to others as I pour my life out for them. But one of the things that I needed to get straight before that I could do uh, before that I could do anybody any good was to. to to do business with Jesus, that my faith was my own. You see, it's just me and Jesus in a room, and he looks me in the eye, and he says, Joe, who do you say that I am? My pastor couldn't make that decision for me. My mother couldn't make that decision for me. As influential as those other people could be, I needed to imagine that it was just me and Jesus in that room. And he sits down, and he looks at me, and he asks again, Who do you say I am? Am I Lord? Am I King? Am I Savior? Or am I just the guy from the Easter story? We're going to close our time together today with communion. The Mass, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper. Our communion table at New Hope is open. To all call upon the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, if you're not there, if you haven't yet made the decision to follow Christ, I want you to listen to me right now. You need to know that we love you. You need to know that you are welcome here. You need to know that we hope that you'll think of new hope as a place where you can come not having to hide doubts or questions. When we take communion, though, you shouldn't feel obligated to participate. Feel free to just have a few moments of silence in your seat. I will add this, though, as a quick side note. That communion is one of two sacraments that Jesus instituted. The other is baptism. Baptism is a public declaration of our faith. So, if you find yourself coming forward for communion, and you've yet to be baptized that's okay. But I'll ask you to consider coming to me later to discuss the possibility of making that public declaration of your faith soon. So we're going to take communion now. The bread is unleavened. The red is wine. The white is grape juice. And after coming forward, I'm going to ask you to take the elements back to your seat where we'll partake them together.